0: The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about The Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I'm glad you're here. Um, I love sharing the stories. I love hearing stories. I love that God plants us in the middle of a narrative that he is writing. And it's not just about my life. It's not just about your life, but it's about his story affecting our lives and the beauty of it is when he does work in my life, he's going to affect your life. When he does work in your life, it's going to affect my life. When he does his work in the church, it's going to affect the community. It's going to affect the world. So God is always telling a bigger story. And I, I love that. This whole series, One Church, is about people. Um, it is about what God is doing in us and through us and living that surrendered life to say, God, I am, I am here for you to write your story in me and write your story through me. And and some of you have been, it's been amazing just the stories that, that I, I. there's been emails and conversations and phone calls and your stories just are humbling. They're incredible. And I, I can't wait to for you to share those. Over the last five weeks, there's been ministry that God's put on your hearts that wasn't there five weeks ago. And it just, I mean, and, it, and People will tell you that your church is going into a a capital campaign, and, and people think that's all a fundraising process, and we're like, no, this is a spiritual process. If this is a fundraising process only, we've missed the point. Our church has grown during this campaign. And the reason I believe that is because God's bringing people to some healing with some baggage that we carried around our life for a long time. A lot of your stories that you're telling me in the lobby and throughout the week are your baggage from past church experiences between money and God, and God's bringing you through this process to bring some healing and let those shackles fall off because I carried those for a long time too. Some of you, there's been identity things and, and some of you are hearing what God is saying your identity is instead of what you have let the enemy tell you um, what he thinks about you. I love it. Um, y'all, a lot of you are doing the fasting and the family devotions. Keep that up. The fasting ends next Sunday, and so you should be over your caffeine headaches and all of that stuff. And um, I can talk to you now. We can have a, a an actual adult conversation because you're not hungry and grungry and hangry and all that mess that we get. So, um, but this series has been about the vision God has for us as a church. And God has a vision for every one of our lives. God has a vision for my life. He has a vision for your life. And then when we come together as a church, he has a vision for the church, and it's been exciting to see that, and and this process where God is calling us to increase our capacity for ministry, and and take these next steps in the journey to continue to reach more people. Um, I do need to ask our core members and core team in this service for an incredible favor, especially if you have young kids. Would you please pray about going to the 830 service? Um, we are getting dangerously close some weekends in our preschool department to having to close some of those rooms because we we we're, we're not going to put kids safety on the line here but we're getting dangerously close to having to say I'm sorry we can't we can't open this room anymore and so I'm asking you to pray about that I'm asking you to help let someone else have a seat at the table. So that's to our core families only. Um, If you need help with that, you can talk to me. I'll be in the lobby after that. Um, But this whole series and one church campaign is about what God wants to do in us so he can do something through us. And we're not going to reduce this to just more square footage. God has a purpose in this. and, And we've been tracking through this that that in order to, to see and realize that vision God has for our life, we have to come to that point of surrender. Our lives totally surrender to God. Say, God, here is all of me for all of you. It's kind of living that open-handed life, saying, God, I'm laying it on your altar. I want you to do what you want in my life. That gets us to a point where we can hear from God. That gets us to a point. I mean, and A lot of Christians say, well, I can't hear God. Stop speaking that over your life. God is constantly speaking to you. If you picked it up, Charlene, God started speaking to her through Psalm 27, and then the conversation started there, and it kept going. God is constantly speaking to us. You know, in in Christianity, the hardest part is not hearing from God. The hardest part's that next step, and that's walking in obedience. And our obedience is what is, that's the trigger for everything that happens Uh, or doesn't happen in our life. And we're, it's not our intentions that get us closer to God. It's what we do. It's how we obediently walk this life with God. And we can have every intention of the world of drawing into the heart of God or intention in the world of doing what God's called us to do. We can have intentions to minister to people, but unless we actually step out in obedience and do it, we're not going to see God do his part. And so we've been working through this process. And and when we find ourselves in obedience, I said this last week that obedience precedes the miraculous. That our obedience sets us in a direction and a trajectory with God where we're going to see him do things in our life that we never thought possible. And I love going through the miracles in scripture. I love uh, hearing testimonies of miracles. I mean, Charlene is a a miracle. You, you heard you've heard this maybe the teaser for her story. If you've not taken her to coffee or just sat down with her and said, "Tell me your whole story." I mean, it is incredible what God delivered her from. And I love hearing the stories of the miraculous. And a lot of times we try to explain the miracles. I I, I remember trying to explain one miracle, and I just I just stopped. God just stopped me. And it's one of those things where God just like, hey, Matt, 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 shut up. And I'm like, well, how do you want me to respond to this, God? And he says, you talk about the wonder and awe of the creator and sustainer of the universe and the giver of life. There are things that I can't explain about God. And if I could explain them, I think that it would probably reduce the awesomeness of God. It would reduce that wonder of God. And we're going to look at a miracle today that, honestly, I have no way of physically explaining it to you. It's in John chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, let's go there. John 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. Um, also, if you have a smartphone, I say it every week, you can get it on uh, version. It's a free app. And then I uh, want to say hi to our, our Facebook Live folk. Um, Hello out there in Facebook land, wonderland of Facebook, the great time drain of America. But I'm glad you're here. John chapter 6. This miracle is in every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, The four Gospels tell the account and the life of Jesus and the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus from really four different camera angles. The way I can best explain it to us guys is when we're watching a movie and you see an explosion, you don't see just one angle of the explosion. You see the same explosion four times because that is manly. That is what we want to see. I want to see that blow up from every angle possible. That's what happens. Jesus The Holy Spirit inspired the gospel writers. He said, you're going to see Jesus explode the world from every angle. And so this miracle exists in all four of the gospels. John chapter 6 says, after this, after what? Jesus has been preaching. He's been walking and moving along the countryside. He's been ministering about the kingdom of God. And yes, there have been some miracles that he's performed. But after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. So people were following Jesus because of the miracles. And can I, can I say this just parenthetically? The, the miracles follow the man. The man don't follow the miracles. So we follow Jesus for who he is, not what he does. But you see a crowd of people following Jesus because they've seen the signs, the miracles. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people can eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. A lot of times, Jesus is going to ask you a question, and he already has the answer. He's just getting you in the right place. Jesus knew. It wasn't the God of the universe going, huh, we're not going to have enough chili for these people. Which, by the way, I might have to not enter that competition because I, I don't want to make y'all hurt, make y'all cry. And then y'all be like, my pastor, he's a bully. No, I'm bringing it, baby. I'm bringing it. No, the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence. The the God of the universe who wrapped himself in flesh and made his dwelling among us looked out at this crowd of people going, I don't know what we're gonna do. He said it to test Philip. And here's what Philip did. Philip said, I could go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and that wouldn't be enough to even give him a little bit. What is a denarii? So 200 denarii, that would be 200 days of salary. So that would almost be your annual salary to buy people bread, and Philip is saying they wouldn't even get but just a bite. I love how Philip reduces it. We reduce the need to a financial need. Jesus is like, we're going to feed some people, and we're like, how are we going to pay for this? You got those budget people at work. You know those people. You got those big ideas, and then they bring your feet back to the ground. But Jesus is like, no. I already know what is going to happen. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So he's basically like, hey, we found a kid and we can steal his Happy Meal. What you going to do with that, Jesus? So you going to give us the money or are you going you gonna to make this kid cry? We'll let him keep the toy, though. Jesus said this, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Now, this is just 5,000 men. This is not telling us how many total people were there. This wasn't a count of the women and the children that would have been with the men. 5,000 men were there. So it's estimated that there would have been about fifteen to 20,000 people sitting down. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they'd eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Let let me just say something here, because God showed me this in the first service. He, He said, now have them sit down. And the people who were sitting down were given food. Let me ask you this question. Are you sitting in a place to receive from God? I mean, many of us want the miracle, but we're like, but I'm not going to sit down. Here, here's our posture. Um, he's going to be preaching for a long time. I'm getting hungry. I don't think there's going to be any food at this, at this revival. So I must go ahead and start heading back to town. See, it's the obedience that people sat down. Do You see, obedience puts us in the place where we can receive the provision from God. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. A lot of us want a miracle, but we're unwilling to walk in obedience and find ourselves in a place where we can even receive what God wants us to have. Then he said, when they'd eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. Okay, I have no way of explaining to you how this happened. I mean, God takes a happy meal and feeds thousands of people. But I do believe that even though I can't explain how that happened physically, there are some things that that go along with the miracle that we need to understand, kind of the elements of a biblical miracle. I mean, the first thing is it started with a need. There was a a need. We all have a need. Every biblical miracle starts with that need or a problem. And you know what? We got problems. I got problems. You got problems. We got problems. What I love about it is we can come into this place and we can be honest about who we are and we can deal with our problems. But here's the thing. We come into here because we're not bringing our problems to each other because we don't have the ability to meet the needs that will solve each other's problems. We come in here to get under a name who is above every other name, who is the source and the author of life and the perfecter of our faith and the sustainer of all things and the giver of good gifts, and we get under that name, and we bring our problems, our needs to him, and we come collectively so that he can do something with them. And then we begin to see God work and that that need is what drives us to God. And what I've learned is need will either drive people to God or away from God. I mean, the, the people who sat down, that need drove them to sit down. I'm hungry. He said, we're gonna eat. Some people are like, I'm hungry. I don't trust that he's gonna give me what I want or give me good food or there's gonna be enough. So I'm gonna go find my own thing to do. The importance is when we gather in this place, It's not just to make each other feel good. It's so that we can receive from God, so that we can have him do something in us, so then when we go from this place, he can do something through us. It starts with a need. The next thing is that need is recognized by a group of people. I mean the disciples recognize the need that I told you this this miracle is in all four of the gospels. I'm gonna flip over to Mark chapter six. This is the same story, different camera angle. And when it grew late, his disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a desolate place. The hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I love it how we tend to reduce things to a financial need. You know that? We look at the need, and and I can tell you that for this next step in the journey as a church, there's a financial need that goes along with this capacity, that we're getting an estimate of an all-in number of $2.5 million to add the capacity in the space to continue ministering to people, but it's not a financial process. Philip reduced it to a financial need He's like, Jesus, if you want me to feed him, I'm gonna have to spend a year's worth of salary to feed him, and that's not even gonna be enough. And when we look at the the, the issues and the capacity and the growth, and these are great issues, but let me tell you something. I don't wanna send people away I don't want somebody to come in and go, hey, I heard this is where I can get the bread of life. I heard that there's living water that flows out of the creek, and I want to be a part of it, and I want God to do something in my life. I've got needs. I'm hurting, and I'm hungry, and we say, hey, you know what? You got to go somewhere else and buy your own bread. I don't want to turn people away. The heart of God is not to turn people away. And then what Jesus says in in Mark Thirty-eight. He said, uh, uh, 37, Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about a financial need. I'm talking about the people are hungry and they need to hear from the mouth of God. See, Jesus is teaching people. He is growing people. And he's like, and they're hungry, so feed them. You and I are called to feed people. And then they find this little boy who has a lunch. <laughs> here, here and, and here's what we've got to understand: for us to see the miraculous, yes, obedience precedes it. But then we've got to participate with God. God says, "I want to be a part of this with you." Too many Christians want to see a miracle without participating. We want to be spectators of what God is doing. And God says, I've called you to get in the middle of this with me. I've called you to get in the mix and be a part of this so you can experience what I have for your life and you can you will see that your life is much bigger than what you think it is. It's a difference between magic and a miracle. When I was a kid, I used to daydream about the genie in the bottle, you know? And I had it trumped. I had it figured out. Genie comes out of the bottle, you have three wishes. I just need one. I wish for infinite wishes. Boom. Some of y'all are thinking that. Let me just straighten up some things. Jesus is not our genie. Jesus does not exist to give us our wishes. Jesus doesn't say to us, your wish is my command." Jesus says, I've come to be the ruler of the earth. I've come to be the king of kings and lord of lords, and I don't submit to you, you submit to me. And if you want to see miracles, you follow me. And there's a difference. This participation in miracle, God just kind of draws that line. He says, look, without me, you can't do this. And God says, but without you, I'm not doing this. He wants to participate with us. He wants to do this with us. And then there's something beautiful that happens. People step out on faith regardless of the odds. <laughs> now, for this kid, let, let's go from the perspective of this little boy for a minute. I don't know how old the boy was. It just says he was a boy. So he's got his lunch. And Jesus is saying, can I have your lunch? You ever try to get food from a hungry kid? <laughs> Some of you are like, you ever try to get a kid to eat? he wasn't going to eat it anyway. This was a partnership of trust. I mean, this little boy had to trust Jesus with his lunch. I mean, he gave Jesus what he had, but don't miss this. It wasn't just the giving of the boy. That might've been the bigger miracle that Jesus got this lunch from this kid. But look at, look at something else that was going on. Verse 12 and 13, it says that the people that were sitting there ate and they were filled and then they gave back. See, obedience gets us in a place where we receive from God, we get our fill, and then he says, now I want you to give back. Now, that doesn't... Makes sense all the time because these people are like, dude, we've been following this guy all day. I'm hungry. I've been walking all day. And now he feeds us. Awesome. And you know you know that feeling when you're full? So they're just sitting there and they're just like, man, I am satisfied. And then for men, right after we finish eating, we have this thought. I wonder when I'm going to eat again. That's just how our minds work, ladies. The best, time to ask, the best time to ask us where we want to go to dinner tomorrow night is right after we eat dinner tonight. <laughs> not really. That's never a good time to ask. No, that's not a good question. What do you want to eat? I don't care. We really don't. We just want food. And then we eat till we're full, and we got that feeling like, I need a bigger belt. And they're like, when am I going to eat again? So these men were sitting there full, and they look at this leftover food like dude we got leftovers this is awesome and then the guy comes around with a basket and I don't know what they're thinking scripture doesn't give us an insight I can just tell you how my mind would work but I'm looking at that food and like I didn't eat all day and now I'm eating this and I'm full but when am I going to eat again I don't want to give that back to them I want to take this home I want my doggy bag but it says that the people gave So when we find ourselves in the middle of a miracle, what happens is we're going to see the provision of God overwhelm us. And then he's going to call us to be obedient and trust it back to him so that he can do something else with it, so that he can do something bigger with it. Miracles are going to cost us. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to pay for what we pray for? I think it's hard for some people to give, and and I wrestle with this sometimes too, because um, comfort can be a hindrance to responding to the needs of other people. According to this story, really, you know, there are two people that didn't need a miracle that day: Jesus, who is the Son of God, and this little boy, because he's like all these five thousand fools didn't bring their food; I brought mine sorry, I'll pray for you, brother. James chapter two, what good is it if you see your brother in need and you say, be warm and well fed, but do nothing? This little boy's like, I'll do something. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for God to fix your stupid because you should have brought your food. How many of us look at people and go, I'll pray for that person. And then we start making judgments about their situation. See, we, we tend to make assessments and judgments from the comfort of our position and not engage in the needs of other people. See, we all got needs, let's be honest. And Jesus tends to make his place around the needs and draw, Jesus drew needy people. I mean, look at church. Look at us. We are a messed up bunch of people. And Jesus is right in the middle of us. If Jesus didn't step out of his comfort, we wouldn't be here. If Jesus didn't step out of his comfort, we would have no hope because his comfort was the throne of heaven and the glory of God surrounded him day and night and he stepped out of that into this mess. So our comfort can kill our responding to the needs of other people. The other thing is God often, when when we truly listen to God, he calls us and asks us to do things that don't often make sense. Like, say what? I mean... The disciple was like, hey, kid, can Jesus have your happy meal? Because we're going to eat lunch. Who's going to eat lunch? Me or you? No, we're all going to eat lunch. And this kid's like, you're trying to pull one on me, man. But he gives it to him. It didn't make sense. I mean, you got one lunch versus 5,000 men but he puts it in the hands of God. And we see that through the impossible God, through the impractical, God does the impossible. And we see this miracle. And and what I've seen about it is is faith gives because God asks us to do it, not because it makes sense. That when God God speaks to us. And God's not looking at your wallet or your lunchbox. He knows what you got. He's looking at our faith and our obedience. Are you in a position to receive from me? Are are you going to hold on to that? Are you going to live your life open-handed or closed-handed? Because the open-handed life is the life that God says, I can bless and I can multiply. Because what it really comes down to is God will only multiply what you offer him, what you put in his hands. I mean, that, that really is what it comes down to. Are we, are we gonna hold on? Are we gonna say, God, here, here's all of me and I'm putting all of me in your hands so you can do something? I mean, th- there are things that I can't even explain to you about the life of this church, the miraculous. I mean, when God opened up this, the place for us to launch our church in a daycare facility and I, I was like, ooh, and it worked out great. I have a low gag reflex, so the diaper smell and all that, I just can't handle I walked in that daycare, and man, God through the eyes of faith opened my eyes to say. And I really, I know this is going to sound super spiritual, but if you've seen Castaway, this was my response. Remember when the porta potty part rolled, uh, washed up on the shore, and Tom Hanks looked at Wilson? What would he say? This could work. <laughs> That's what I thought about when I walked in the daycare. It wasn't like this epiphany of revelation, and the angels of heaven start saying, "Oh, this will be the place." And I was like, "This could work." I don't smell puke, and I don't smell poop been honest with you. But God did the miraculous for four and a half years in that facility. And how he opened this facility was a miracle. I mean, there's a lot of divisions in one church, and God brought two churches together to walk in unity, to do something for his kingdom. And we saw an incredible thing happen. And we're now at a crossroads again, where God has been been changing lives. I mean, here's the thing. Our church has grown through a capital campaign. Most churches in America don't do that. From the time school started, our attendance, we're averaging almost 200 people more a weekend than we were when school started. God is showing us, man, I'm doing something in you and I'm going to do something through you. Will you just sit down and be obedient and let me do my work and partner with me? And when I call you to st- engage, engage. And you know what? It's time for us to engage. God's calling us to step up and to step on faith. Next week, we're going we're gonna to come to this, this service and we're going we're gonna to make commitments as a church family. If you're not a part of the creek, don't worry about it. If you've been praying about this and God's been speaking to you, then be obedient. If God's not telling you anything, then just sit, okay? Just sit. But honestly, listen for him. I'm not reducing this need for more space to a financial need. I'm not gonna be like Philip. I'm asking you to do what I'm doing, and that's trusting God. I'm asking you to hear God and be obedient and to walk in faith. And I've I've heard people talk to me about this, and and this is is a concern for many of our families to say, well, I don't know what I can afford to do. What can I afford? I I think that's the first level of giving. Can I I tell you something? You're asking me for advice on what you should give. Um, Here's my advice back to you. Pray, hear God. Because some some people are thinking, well, I don't know what my finances are going to look like in three years. I don't either. Why don't you ask the one who knows? So I'm asking you to trust God. I'm asking you to pray. Do what God says to do. If He says nothing, nothing. Here's what I believe about God what He does is enough, He's our provision. I don't have to stand up here and I don't have to try to draw money out of people. Some of y'all see that on TV. Like, if you give $100, God's going to bless you with $1,000. I don't have to do that. Why? Because the provider and sustainer of life is my Father. And He's called me to do it. He's called me to step up. He's called me to, to receive from Him. He's, now He's calling me to give it back. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm just asking you to be a part of one church. Let's do this together. But people say, "What can I afford?" And that's just kind of that's kind of the, the basic assessment. And then the next level is kind of, "What can I afford? What can I sacrifice?" So it's kind of, "What can I give up to be able to do something?" Um, and that's in our natural and that's logical. That's that's how we think. But but let's let's step into the miraculous realm or the God realm, and let's get bold and let's ask God. What can I trust you, God, to do through me? What can I trust you, God? So it's what do I, cannot give? What do I give if I give something up? But I've got to trust God to be my source. You know what? Heather and I are in that place in our life. And when we launched the church, we just said, God, we are all in. Here you go. You have it. You got all of us because you got this, you got a life that's better than we got. So I'm just asking you to trust God. I'm asking you to pray. Next week, we're gonna come and do our commitments together. And some of y'all are like, I ain't coming next week. Well, we'll miss you. Don't miss the miracle. You know, this crowd, there's layers to the crowd. Some people were following Jesus because of the miracles. So maybe God just wants you to come and see a miracle. But here's what I know that God wants for every one of us. To be seated in a place where we receive, we receive from God. And that we find that the miracle isn't happening around us. It's happening in us and through us. And next week, isn't it ain't going to be no pressure for money. I'm not going to stand up here and, you know, we'll play like 80,000 courses of Just As I Am until somebody walks down and does... It ain't going to be like that. I don't believe in that. I believe in hearing God and walking in obedience. I do want to show you something. You're going to get a card when you walk out. You can get two cards, actually. One is a creative way to give. um, So that's to help you give some ideas as you're praying for it. The other one is this commitment card. Do not fill this out today. I want you to preview this. You're going to get it on your way out. I'm giving it to you on your way out because all y'all be looking at it throughout the whole service. I don't know what now I'm explaining it. I wanted you to hear the word of God. Now you respond to the word of God. So this card, um, this is what you hear from God. This is a three-year commitment. So we're gonna, next week, we're gonna put on that as a family, here's what I believe God is calling me to do. And you can do it weekly, monthly, annually, or one time. Now we will verify these gifts. I mean, in the last campaign, we had somebody put that they were gonna give $5,000 and they accidentally checked weekly, and in the staff meeting, we were like, praise God, you know? <laughs> and we called them to verify it. No, that was a one-time deal. Awesome. <laughs> we just want to verify that, okay? Because there's a difference in $5,000 a week and $5,000 one time, right? But that's what you hear from God on. And so um, then there's a giving schedule that talks, shows you kind of what an impact it makes what an impact it makes. And the other side is our personal information where we fill out our name and all that stuff. And I've had people what? why is this card important? Why do you want me to fill out this card, pastor? The first thing is, this is the little boy putting the lunch in God's hands. This is a way for us to say, God, here's what I'm putting in your hands. This is your commitment before God. The second thing, and just let me get practical for a second, this helps us plan because in December, we're going to sit down with our architects and we're going to sit down with the banker and they're going to want to know what we've committed. And this helps us plan because we need to know if, how much do we scale this project back or are we able to do all of this project. And we're getting, a, getting an all-in estimate right now of $2.5 million. Now, that doesn't mean that all that has to come in or all that has to be, be done at the beginning. But we need to be able to plan for that. So if we can come back and say to the bankers and the architects, hey, let's, let's, let's take off this piece or let's go for it. We're not going to put ministry in jeopardy. Some of you have expressed some concerns over that. We're not going to put ministry in jeopardy. I would much rather us be tight in here and to be able to add a little bit more space and us be a little bit tight for a little while than for us to say, I'm sorry, we don't have an ability to minister to you. I want money in ministry, not in, in facilities, okay? And I'm just asking you to trust me on that. I'm asking you to trust the leaders of the creek on that. And so here's, here's what we're gonna do. Next week, we're gonna find ourselves watching God do something innocent through us. And I've got, I can get excited about that. I don't get excited about fundraising. I get excited about seeing lives changed by Jesus. And so here's what I want us to do. Let's put it in God's hands so he can multiply it. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for pouring into our lives and, and bringing us to a place that we can sit in obedience and we can receive from you. And I thank you that then you call us to put our life in your hands. Thank you for the miracles. Thank you for the things that we can't explain about you and about your character because it just is too wonderful and there's too much awe for us to reduce it to what our mind can comprehend. And I'm asking you to work in us and through us in miraculous ways. Help us to see things we never thought possible more stories, more lives changed that ultimately result in more glory for you. And God, I pray for anyone in this room that may have never received the greatest miracle that we could ever receive, and that's the gift of salvation and the miracle of life through Christ. And so I ask you right now that maybe that instead of a lunch in your hands, Jesus, it's a life in your hands. And maybe you, you are drawing someone to you right now that has been brought to you because of a need in their life, and that need has revealed the need for a Savior and a need for salvation. And I pray you give them the courage, just as this little boy had to have the courage to put his lunch in your hands, I pray that you give them the courage to put their life in your hands and say, Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins and I believe you are resurrected and I believe that you wanna have that power at work in my life and I'm asking you to forgive me and I'm asking you for the miracle of salvation to be so real to me today. Father, we thank you for the name that is above every name and that name is Jesus and in that mighty name we pray, amen. I love you guys. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.